0: God bless you as you
1: listen. We bless your name, Father, again, as we always do anytime we come in your name and we gather in your presence. We are thankful to you that every gathering has a purpose and has a mission that it's supposed to accomplish. And thank you that tonight you're going to send forth your word as you always do, and your word will come to bless us tremendously. I pray, inviting your Holy Spirit as always to take over and to take control, and guide and direct and steer affairs, and ensure that everything that you have prepared for your people tonight, we will not be denied of them. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' mighty name. And let the people of God say, Amen. amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Clap unto the Lord, everybody. And you may be seated. Amen. amen. Last week, I introduced a very important subject about the parables of Jesus. I'm feeding back the parables of Jesus. Hallelujah. And I explain to you that it must be the quest and the desire of every child of God to know Jesus well. Because he is the author and the finisher of our faith. Amen. I said amen. Amen. Now the apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3 verse 10 made a very profound statement. He said that I want to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings being made conformable unto his death the first part of his desire which he expressed was that i want to know jesus the king james says that i may know him everybody said that, that i may know him know who jesus. jesus hallelujah and this must be the prayer of every child of god and it must be one of our life's quest To really get to know Jesus. Amen. But how can we get to know him? One of the channels by which we can get to know Jesus. Is to learn and study about what he did. And what he taught. What he did. And what he taught. Amen. Because when you learn these things. It will help you to know Jesus well. Now, the focus of our series is what Jesus taught. And Jesus Christ is the greatest teacher who ever walked the face of the earth. He was a teacher par excellence. And up till today, there are a lot of his teachings that we can still remember. Amen. Amen. And one of the reasons why we can still remember his teaching was that he had a very unique style of teaching. And you will notice that Jesus Christ used a lot of parables in his teachings. Hallelujah. And I believe that because of these parables, even 2,000 years after he had exited the scene we can still remember a lot of the things that he taught. So what is a parable? I explained to you that a parable, that word parable is derived from two Greek words. The first word is para, and then the second word is balo And then para, I explained to you, is a word that refers to something that is alongside something else. And the illustration that I gave you was that in a, in a typical law firm, you have the lawyers. But apart from the lawyers, you have another group of people who are referred to as paralegal staff. So these are secretaries, administrators, and all these other people. Their role is to work alongside the lawyers. So that is why they are called legal stuff. So that's what the word para means. And then balu means to throw or to hell. And so when you put these two words together, a parable means something that is thrown alongside of something else. And what Jesus used to do was that in his teachings, he used to add parables which are like illustrations. To go alongside the truths that he was teaching. And these parables really helped us to get a deeper insight and understanding of his teachings. Can I have an amen from somebody? All right. Now, last week, I also mentioned to you that there were two main audiences that the parables of Jesus were directed at. One group, those who have ears to hear. And then the other group, those who don't have ears to hear. Now, everybody has ears. But the issue is what you do with the ears that you have. Now, when we talk about those who have ears to hear, we are talking about people who have a certain attitude. When it comes to the word of God and when it comes to kingdom truths. Such people are ready to hear and there's a certain expectation or eagerness or anticipation that they have when a kingdom truth is being presented. And not just that, but they seem to have in the inside of them a certain desire to run with that word that they hear. And so they want to put the word into practice. These are those we refer to as those who have ears to hear. But then there's another group. They have ears. And they can hear. But their their, their hearing is only a superficial kind of thing. What I mean is that there's really no desire to do much with the word that they are hearing in fact there are some who don't even want to hear at all and i told you that sometimes when you go witnessing to people you come across people they don't want to hear anything that you want to say to them but then there are those also they will hear but it doesn't really affect them much and it doesn't affect them because they have a certain attitude and a certain posture that makes it difficult for even the word to penetrate And so, once that cannot happen, there's no way they will put the word into practice for anything great to happen to them. And so, there are people like that. And the parables of Jesus were directed to these two categories of people. When you come into the house of God, like what we have tonight, I've come to believe that these two categories of people are always present. There are those who come with an attitude of, I am coming to hear the word of God and I want to be blessed. I want to be impacted. I want to be affected as I come into the presence of God. They don't just come out of a sense of duty. But they come because they want to find something. They believe that there is a treasure, there is a pearl in the word of God. And so when the word is being ministered, they stand at attention, ready to receive, and prepared to run with the word. There are people like that. And such people, you will see them. There's a certain concentration on their faces when the word of God is coming. There's a certain eagerness and readiness to receive. And as a preacher, because I've ministered for all these years, I can always see them when I look into the congregation, I can see those who have ears to hear. And guess what? I can also see those who have ears or they don't have ears to to hear. And such people, there's always a look of disinterest. They get easily distracted. They don't respond much to the word of God. They don't say amen. And it's it's. For, for some of them you can see that they can't wait for the service to end so that they can go home. An experienced preacher can always see people like that. And some of them as the word of God is being preached, they are distracted. They are looking at their phones. They are TikToking. They are Instagramming. They are Twittering. They are Facebooking. And the like. You know. And it's a very sad thing when people come into the house of God and the word of God, which is perhaps the main reason for the gathering, for the word of God to be ministered. You realize that people have a wrong posture and a wrong attitude and so the word is not able to benefit them much. But thank God that you are not included in that second category of people. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! and it all depends on you i said it all depends on you if any time you're coming to church you have a, you have a mindset that this church that i'm going for i am i'm going with i want to be blessed i really really want to be blessed so before you arrive at the meeting grounds your mind is tuned along those lines And you come with that attitude and you don't want anything to rob you of your blessing. And it depends on you. You can decide and determine every time you're going into a church meeting that I always want to be blessed or I must be blessed. So you prepare yourself adequately before you come. And I can promise you that any time you come with such a mind and with such an attitude, you will always be blessed at the end of the day. In fact, even if the preacher is some way there is a way you can come and still be blessed at the end of the day and you tell yourself that once the word of God has been opened and the scripture read and something has been said, I want to believe that God is going to bless me and I want to say this to you also that it is not only the preacher man who is present when we gather like this, but the Holy Spirit who leads us into all truth, is also present. And so even if the preacher is some way, if you are in tune with the Holy Spirit, by all means he will say something to you that will be a blessing to you before you walk out of the meeting grounds. Somebody say, I hear you. So this is just to let you understand that parables are directed at two groups of people and we want to resolve that we will always be included in the first group of those who have ears and they can hear uh, they can hear hallelujah now the next thing that i want to say before i go into the first parable that i want to share with you today is that for every parable that we read or we study There is always one central decisive point that that parable is trying to bring out. There is always one central decisive or key point that you can pick from that parable. Now the parable may talk about other major things. But there's always one key thing that stands out. There's always one key central message that every parable is intended to portray. And so to understand the parables of Jesus, what we need to do is to try and pick out what is the main central decisive key point that Jesus is trying to convey through that parable. Once you understand that, it will help you to really understand the parables of Jesus and get the main lessons behind them. Have I helped somebody so far? All right. We want to start off and move straight into the parables of Jesus. And I'm not really going to talk about them in any particular order. So it's not going to flow in a certain order. I just pick what jumps at me, I share about it. But by the time we are done, we would have spoken quite a bit about the different parables of Jesus. And for tonight, I want to share with you the parable of the widow and the unjust judge. The parable of the widow and the unjust judge. So, the broad heading or the broad topic that we are talking about is the parables of Jesus. And the subtopic is the parable of the widow and the unjust judge. Turn your Bibles with me to the gospel according to St. Luke. Reading from verse number 1 to verse number 8. Luke 18 verse 1 to 8, and we are reading from the New Living Translation of the Bible. One day, Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about peoples. But this woman is driving me crazy. May your persistence drive people crazy in this life. (laughs) You know, because I've come to see that persistence is one of the keys to doing well in life. If you're somebody who can press on, no matter the challenges, the difficulties, the obstacles that confront you, you have an attitude of, I'm not stopping until I get what I'm looking for. That quality and that attitude is one of the keys to becoming successful in this life. And in trying to get things done, there are many times when you must be like this. You must drive people crazy. Otherwise, certain things will never be done for you. But that's not really what I want to talk about today. We press on. Then the judge went on to say, I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. She's doing what? Wearing me out. Then the Lord said, Learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people. Who cry out to him day and night. Will he keep putting them off? I tell you. He will grant justice to them quickly. But when the son of man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. So let's look at the lessons to pick out from this parable. Remember that I said a few moments ago that in every parable that is shared, Or in all the parables of Jesus, there is always a central, decisive key or main point that he's trying to convey. And so, in learning the lessons from this parable, the first thing we need to do is to identify what is the central, what is the decisive, what is the key point behind this parable. We find that in verse 1 of Luke 18, where he says, One day, Jesus told his disciples a story. Then it goes on to say what the essence of the story was. He says, to show that they should always pray and never give up. To show what? They should always pray and never give up. So, the central key point in this parable is that we should persist. And persevere in prayer, we should persist and persevere in prayer no matter what, no matter what, and we shouldn't give up. Hallelujah! The central key point in this parable is that we should persist and persevere in prayer no matter what and we shouldn't give up. So this, ladies and gentlemen, is the main essence of this parable of the widow and the unjust judge. Jesus gave this illustration to teach us that in this life and in trying to get our prayers answered, we must persist and we must persevere no matter what we shouldn't ever give up amen the second lesson is that there are two characters, two main characters or two characters actually because there are only two characters that are mentioned here there are two characters in this parable the first one is or was the widow Everybody say the widow. And the second character was the judge. Everybody say the judge. So, that is another lesson to pick up from this. That there are two characters here. The widow and the judge. The third thing. This widow had been wronged and unjustly treated. And she went to see the judge... For justice. This widow had been wronged and unjustly treated and went to see the judge for justice. Amen. Now, one of the things you need to understand about this life is that there is a lot of injustice. And there is a lot of wrong treatments that are meted out. And this widow had been wronged. We don't know exactly what was done to her. But she was obviously aggrieved by what had been done to her. And she decided that I must get justice. And I must get somebody to speak on my behalf. Amen. So in verse 3 of Luke 18, it says that a widow of that city came to him. That is to the judge. Repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. Give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. So we can see that something had affected her and she was aggrieved and unhappy about something. A wrong treatment and an unjust treatment that was meted out against her and she wanted something to be done about it. It is not a nice thing when you are not treated well. It is not a nice thing when you are not treated fairly. It is not a nice thing when you are not treated justly. It is not a nice thing when somebody tries to deprive you of something that is yours. And it has an effect on you. And there's a part of you that cries out for justice. And cries out sometimes for vengeance. So this was the case with this widow. The next thing that I want to bring out to you is that unfortunately... She came before an unjust judge. She came before an unjust judge. Now when we say that the judge was unjust, what we mean is that he lacks in justice and fairness. That's what the word unjust means. Unjust means there's a lack in justice and fairness. So unfortunately, she came before an unjust judge who did not fear God, nor cared about people. So that is the person she went to see for justice. But this person did not fear God and did not care about people. A justice system must always be fair. And If you are part of a system where there is no fairness and where you cannot receive justice, then we have a problem. That is why in virtually every country in the world, there is a law system. There are the courts where people can go for arbitration and where their issues can be dealt with. And the expectation is that when you take your issues to the court, you'll be given a fair hearing and justice will be served at the end of the day. But unfortunately, it is not always that way. A judge who sits over a case... It's expected to be just and to be fair in carrying out judgment. And that is why in any proper law system, justice is not passed until the accused has been given a fair hearing. Has been given what? A fair hearing. So, there is a policy in a lot of legal systems where it's like you are innocent until proven guilty. Such that if they catch you that you have murdered somebody, that they saw you, that you took a knife and then you choked somebody and somebody saw you and you are arrested, you are not sentenced until you have been taken to a court of competent jurisdiction. And your case tried before the judgment is issued. There's no rush. That is why instant justice is a very evil thing. And you can follow instant justice and kill somebody who is innocent. And we've heard of stories like that. There are people who have been lynched because they were in town. And then something was happening. And they started running. And everybody felt that this is the perpetrator. So before you realize they've caught the person poured petrol on the person and set that person alight. You know, human beings, we are very wicked. though. Very wicked. Very, very wicked. And don't think about anybody else. Think about yourself. I'm telling you. You see, as you are sitting here with your nice face, Evelyn, as you're sitting here with your nice face, you may never fully understand what is in the inside of you that you can do. You never understand it. The best example that I can give you is what happened in Liberia. In Sierra Leone in Rwanda many years ago. Let's just talk about Liberia. Liberia was a country you can describe as a Christian nation. They really once upon a time seemed to be a a country where Christianity had gained a strong foothold. So there were a lot of churches there. A lot of Baptist churches in Liberia. They are powerful preachers. Powerful churches. And then, their things started. And, it all was concentrated around diamonds a similar situation in Sierra Leone there was a part of it where it looked as if you know the rebels were trying to deal with the injustice in the land because the president was Sergeant Do and then Charles Taylor and his guys It's like we are fighting wrongs and everything but at the end of the day he realized that it was not, just, it was not about that it was about who could have power and control the resources in the country. By the time this civil war played out, you saw the worst side of human beings where you can catch your neighbor. This is your neighbor who lives next to you. And depending on which side your neighbor is, Somebody can catch his neighbor and kill his neighbor. There are people who became rebel soldiers. They were normal, ordinary people. But when they became soldiers, what they could do to other human beings? They can can catch somebody, ask the person, stretch forth your hand. They will even ask you, do you want short sleeves? or long sleeves where short sleeves is where they will cut your arm here short sleeves and then long sleeves is to cut it at the wrist there were pregnant women who were apprehended and these soldiers would be betting is the child that she's carrying a boy or a girl this is how say it's a boy. This is how say it's a girl. This is say it's a male. This is say it's a female. Then I say let's just settle it. And somebody would take a knife and split her open. Push the hand in and pull the baby out. It was just a game. Yeah. You see, and these things were done by people who once upon a time were normal, regular people. They used to sing in the choir. How many choristers are here? (laughs) They used to sing in the choir. It was done by both men and women. So, those of you girls who are thinking that it is only the boys who were doing that, some of the wildest people were the girls. I'm telling you. So, I'm just explaining to you that we can be very, very, very some way. And that is why there is a need to have a justice system in place. And wherever there is a system, a country, a nation, a community, where justice is not upheld, then we are going to have a very serious problem. And in our nation, our crest has a motto, freedom and justice it's a very important statement as to whether we are following this motto or not is another question altogether somebody say freedom and justice this woman came to the judge looking for justice but unfortunately this judge was an unjust judge And the Bible says he did not fear God nor cared about the people. Verse 2 of Luke 18. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. So if you come before somebody like this to deal with your issue and to look for justice, you are not likely to get it because the person is unjust or the person is corrupt very corrupt and any country where the judicial system is not a solid one that is based on justice and on fairness and on equity that country is not going anywhere. Currently in our nation a lot of people feel that the justice system is not correct and people feel that when they even go to court they will not get the justice that they deserve I don't know what you think. All I know is that it is important to have a good justice system. And to have judges who are just. Amen. The next point. Her persistence paid off finally. Her persistence paid off finally. And the judge attended to her case eventually. Her persistence paid off finally and the judge attended to her case. We see that in Luke eighteen four to 5 Her persistence paid off finally and the judge attended to her case. So these are like the key points in the parable. Luke eighteen four to 5 The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she's wearing me out with her constant request. Hallelujah. So, her persistence paid off finally. So, although the judge was unjust, something moved him at the end of the day. Something made him respond to the woman's petition at the end of the day. And what it was, was her persistence. The next point. This widow had a no-retreat, no-surrender attitude. She had a no-retreat and a no-surrender attitude. She had a no-retreat and a no-surrender attitude. Which said, I won't give up. No matter what. That's a no retreat, no surrender attitude. I won't give up. No matter what. And another thing that such an attitude says is that you will be tired before I am tired. <laughs> you will be tired before I am tired. That was the attitude that she had. It was a no retreat, it was a no surrender attitude. That said I won't give up no matter what and you will be tired before I get. Up. At the end of the day, the man got tired. And this woman never gave up. She never retreated. She never surrendered. She pressed on and persevered until she got what she was looking for. And she got what she was looking for. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Now this widow, the next point, represents every child of God who comes before God with a request. This widow represents every child of God. Who comes before God with a request. So you see where Jesus said. That God. So don't you think that God will surely give justice to his chosen people. His chosen people. So it's a parable that is speaking to God's chosen people. And that's why I'm saying that the widow in this story represented every child of God who comes before God with a request. How many children of God do I have in the house watching me live? If you are a child of God, then the widow in this parable represents you. Amen. We can also say that the widow is symbolic of anybody... Who doesn't have anybody to defend him or her. So this widow represents any child of God. Who doesn't have anybody to defend him or her. And that is to say you don't have anybody to speak in your defense. To vindicate you. And there are times as a child of God. In this life you get to a point where you realize that I don't have anybody. I don't have anybody who is saying some on my behalf. I don't have anybody who is speaking in my defense or trying to put in a word or two for me. That is one of the most terrible things that can ever happen to you. Where there is a gathering... And there is a meeting. Of people to decide on your fate. And there is nobody. Nobody. Who is putting in a word for you. The only thing that is happening in that meeting. Is damning statements. And condemnation. And passing of judgment without resorting to the right procedures. Because the right procedure before you pass judgment, that's why in court, before the judge will pass judgment, the accused or the defendant is given an opportunity to come and talk. So, first of all, you're, you're, so the court system is set up and then the prosecution that those who are trying to sort you out, they have to bring their charges against you. You did this, you did that, you did this, you did that. That's what they have to do. And then, these charges have to be read to the accused or to the defendant. And then, whatever evidence the prosecution has, they will present their evidence. After they presented their evidence, the accused or the defendant has a lawyer. He must have a lawyer or he must have a defense. If he doesn't have a lawyer, he's allowed to defend himself. He's given the opportunity to question any of the witnesses that the prosecution has brought. Then the case goes on. Then at the point, the defense is also allowed to bring his or her witnesses to come and speak to help his case. Then, of course, the prosecution lawyers will also have an opportunity to interrogate the witnesses of the defense. Evidences will have to be produced. And in the proper court system, there is a very detailed and intense way of going through things. Why? Because behind all of that is a desire that justice must be served at the end of the day justice must be served at the end of the day and it is finally after all of these things are done that the judge will now pass sentence sometimes in these law cases there is a jury and a jury is made up of a number of people who have been selected from society like honorable people, people of good reputation and everything, they are allowed to sit in the case. And there are times when the jury is a, must reach a verdict. And the verdict that the jury must reach is whether the person is guilty or not guilty. Then after that, the judge will pass sentence before the person will now be sent to wherever he's going to be. So you can see that it is A very, you know, intentionally designed, well-designed system to make sure that at the end of the day, justice is what is served. But unfortunately, in life, you may never get the justice that you deserve. Especially if you are at a certain position in life and you are not high up. On the social ladder. That is why the real thieves, those who steal the nation's money, are never prosecuted for it. They get away with it virtually all the time. But the poor man who was hungry and went to cut plantain. Went to cut plantain from somebody's farm because he was hungry. Such a person will be arrested, sent to court, and will be sentenced five years of hard labor for going to steal two fingers of plantain because he was hungry. I went to steal a fowl or a goat. And when they arrested him, he said, This very black goat was trying to resist arrest. So I had to club him down. But the real thieves, they get away with it because there is something wrong with the justice system. It seems that, in, in, unfortunately, in a lot of places, the justice system is tilted more in favor. Of the high and mighty in society. And then the poor people, those, the lower classes, they often don't get the justice that they deserve. Now, this widow represents people. People who are not treated well. And people who don't have anybody to defend them or to speak in their defense or to vindicate them. And then the other thing is that this widow is symbolic of the vulnerable people in society. These are people who are easy, it's easy to hurt them. It's easy to wound them. And because of that, people treat them anyway, anyhow. So this widow is symbolic of such people. They are mistreated and they are never dealt with in a fair or a just way. Hallelujah. We are talking about the parable of the widow and the unjust judge. The next thing that it's important for you to take note of is that the unjust judge is not representative of God. (laughs) Very important. The unjust judge is not representative of God. Because there are people who sometimes make that mistake of saying that The widow represents us, and the unjust judge represents who? God. Now, that's a mistake. That's a mistake, because that's not what it is. And it is not so, because God is just, and God is righteous. So, there's no way that this unjust judge in the parable represents God. Isaiah 45, verse 21. Isaiah 45, verse 21. It says, consult together, argue your case, get together and decide what to say. Who made these things known so long ago? Now, this is something that God brought up against the people of Israel. He said, what idol ever told you they would happen? Was it not I, the Lord? Then he goes on to say, for there is no other God but me. A righteous God and Savior. There is none but me. So the God you serve is righteous and He's just. And there's no way that the unjust judge in this story represents the just God we know. Amen. The next point the unjust judge is being mentioned not in reference to the just God. But in contrast with him. The unjust judge is being mentioned not in reference to the just God, but in contrast with him. We're almost there. The unjust judge is being mentioned not in reference to the just God, but in contrast with him. Verse 6 and 7 of Luke 18. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? So what the purpose of bringing up this unjust judge in this parable was, was to contrast him. With the God we serve who is just, so that we can see that if an unjust judge can come under so much pressure that he will do the right thing, how much more will the just judge not respond to our prayers and to our request and to grant us our hearts' desires? Hallelujah. The next one, you can rest assured that God will come through for you at the end of the day. You can rest assured that God will come through for you at the end of the day. So this is a lesson to pick from this parable. That no matter how things are. No matter what you are dealing with. No matter what you are fighting against. Once you trust in God. And you cry out to him. And you don't give up. And you don't throw in the towel. God will come through for you at the end of the day. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. And then the last point. Your persistence in prayer is a measure of your faith. Your persistence in prayer is a measure of your faith. Your persistence in prayer is a measure of your faith. The more faith you have, the more you continue to persist in prayer. And this faith will lead you into great victories. Amen. Your persistence in prayer is a measure of your faith. The more faith you have, the more you continue to persist in prayer. And your faith will lead you into a great victory. Amen. So in verse 8 of Luke 18. Jesus said, I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the son of man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? In other words, so what what you should take note of was that the whole essence of the prayer, of the parable was that men ought always to pray and not to faint. That we must always persist in prayer and we should never give up. So that is the central message in this parable. But at the tail end of it, Jesus begins to talk about faith. And he says that when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? In other words, your prayer and your persistence in it is a manifestation of your faith. The more faith you have, the more you continue to pray. There are times, you see, when you're praying and you feel that the prayer is not working. It's like as you're praying, the feeling is like your prayer is bouncing on the ceiling and coming down. And it is not going up to heaven. How many have felt like not praying about something before? Maybe you prayed about something for a long time. And it's like the answer is not coming. And so you get to a point and say, let me find somewhere to sit. It is not working. I don't know about you, but I've gotten to that point before. And it is easy to get to that point. But you see, when you continue to persist in prayer, even when it looks like the answer has delayed and what you are looking for, is not being granted unto you. It is a revelation of the faith that you have in God. And God will always respond in, to that faith. And that faith will bring you into a great victory. Hallelujah. First John chapter 5 verse 4. It says, for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world even our faith. So I want to say to you my friends, that Don't give up on God. And don't give up on your prayers. Don't stop praying. And don't stop crying out to God. We've been praying today as part of our usual Wednesday uh, prayer and fasting rendezvous. And you'll discover that there are many things that we prayed about today. That we prayed about before. So we keep praying, you know, sometimes about the same things. We even have like a miracle hour. That is 12 noon from 12 to 1. And during that miracle hour, we pray concerning the needs of different people in the church. So we give an opportunity for people to present their prayer request and their prayer needs. And we pray about them. Now, there are some of the things on the list. We've been praying about them for a very long time, for months. It is very easy to get to a point, say that it is not working. Let's not pray about these things again. But you will see that there are some of the things that we prayed about that we have received the answers to. And just as we've received answers to those things, God at the right time will grant us answers to the other things that we are praying about. So we must persist in our prayers. I said we must persist in our prayers. And I'm saying to you today. Learn this lesson from the parable of the widow and the unjust judge. That don't give up. Don't retreat. Don't stop crying out to God. Don't stop going to God. With your petitions and with your prayers. Don't fall back. Don't retreat. Don't give up no matter how tough the going gets. They say when the going gets tough, the tough gets going. Never, ever, ever stop praying. Don't give up praying. Have a no retreat, and no surrender attitude when it comes to prayer. Even when you feel it is not working, let's continue to pray. Even when you think that God is not answering your prayer, let's continue to pray. Even when it looks as if things have delayed, let's continue to pray. Even when it looks as if somebody's prayers are being answered and yours is not being answered, let's continue to pray. Because as we persist in prayer, I know that our God will come through for us. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Let me end with a statement that one of the greatest statesmen who ever lived on this earth made. His name was Sir Winston Churchill and he was the prime minister of the United Kingdom for two terms from 1940 to 1945 and then from 1951 to 1955. But he was a very great man and The first time he was in office, that was when the Second World War had occurred. And it was a very difficult time. But he was somebody who knew how to really speak and encourage people and motivate them. And so he's famous for many of the powerful speeches that he gave. One day he gave a speech in a school. So you're speaking to students and it was that school that he went to. And this is what he said to them. He said, never give in. Never give in. Never. 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 In nothing great or small, large or petty. Never give in except to convictions of honor and good sense. This was the statement that he made and what he was trying to say is that when you are confident about what you are praying about or something that you are doing or something that you are trying to achieve or accomplish in this life never give up and never quit. They say winners never quit and the quitters they never win. And we must develop that tenacity and strength to continue pressing on. There are times when you are battling with something in your life. There are times when you may be struggling with something. And it looks like the more you try to free yourself from that thing, the more entangled you get in it. And I'm saying to somebody today, never give up. And never give in. Sometimes. Things are not working well. In your marriage. In your finances. In your business. In your education. In your ministry. In your relationships. But no matter how rough things look. I'm saying to you. That based on the lesson from this parable. Never give up. And never give in. It may look very bad. It may look like things will never get better. But keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your focus on him. As you keep your eyes on him and your focus on him. And you continue to cry out to him in faith. I know that he will bring you into a new season of your life. When things will turn around for the better. And things will become better for you. And the situation will become better for you. And God will give you victory upon victory to celebrate to the glory of his name. I pray that this exposition on the parable of the widow and the unjust judge will increase your faith level. And will teach you how persistence pays off at the end of the day. Rise to your faith family and let us close tonight's service. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, in your hearts, and let us pray. We are thankful to you, Father, for tonight. We bless your name for the word that we have received. We ask, O God, that from today's teaching, may we develop a no retreat and no surrender attitude. May we not be quick to throw in the towel and to throw our hands up in despair when things are not working. And Father, no matter what we are dealing with and contending with in our lives, may your Holy Spirit stir up within us that inner strength and fortitude and tenacity to keep pressing on and crying out to you and know that because you are the just God and you are the righteous God, you will always come through for us. Whenever we are dealing with a situation where we have been ill-treated, And we have been denied of what is just. I pray father speak on our behalf. And intervene in that situation. For we have chosen to bring our issues before the righteous judge. And we know that you will come through for us. When it looks as if injustice has prevailed. Father turn the situation around. And vindicate your people in the name of Jesus anything that has been taken away from your people, anything they've been denied of, anything that they they, they have been robbed of, I pray, Father, let there be a restoration of that thing as you, the righteous judge, arise in that situation and deal with that problem. I thank you, Father, tonight for what you have done in Jesus' mighty name. And let everybody say, "Amen." Amen. Put your hands together for Jesus.